Hello world. Welcome to Everything's Relative. This is a podcast about all the things that can happen to your life or all the things you can find out uh, when you do a DNA test, basically. Uh, Basically, that's what this podcast is about. I'm Eve Sturgis. I am your host. So one thing that comes up again and again on this show is the power of language And how hard it is to figure out where your support resources are or what is going on um, when you don't know what to call yourself or you don't know how to describe what's happened to you based on um, a DNA discovery. So um, we've talked a lot, a lot of episodes have talked about how like putting into the search engine like terms you use like um, non-parent expected or non-paternal event, like how would you ever know to do that? So... Um, so that came up for me recently because uh, I had some I had some listeners contact me looking for help um, with their particular situation, and uh, they wanted to talk about being late discovery um, adoptees. And so uh, I I was quickly trying to find therapists who specialized in this. And all I could come up with were therapists familiar with adoption issues from the perspective of the parents looking to adopt children or babies. So that's not what I wanted. Um, So I kept, you know, digging and asking and trying to find nuance in in my description. And what ended up happening is that everybody uh, started telling me that who I needed to talk to was Leslie Johnson um, in this area, in the Los Angeles area. So... I learned about her work, um, and uh, she she's a really kind, uh, wonderful person, and has been great for the adoption community. So um, it, it's just very obvious why she was the one to go to. And I have this interview, so I think you'll agree that um, she knows what she's talking about, and she's she's a lovely soul. And I'm so glad I got to spend an early morning with her a few weeks ago. So I'm just going to go ahead and play the talk together. Um, it's just so easy. It's just like that. Um, thank you, everyone, for being here. I'm Eve Sturgis. This is episode 15 of season two of Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis. And I'm interviewing Leslie Johnson. Um, so you know that our, we're... Um, more than anything, I generally end up talking with people who, who find out that um, they that one or more of their parents are not their parents. And what is like a growing population um, within that community is like late discovery adoptees. Right, right. Which um, I didn't, I honestly was very like naive about um, and and I'm learning more about kind of quick, quickly, like sort of scrambling to catch up and um, I want to include everybody. So um, simultaneously, I was looking for um, some therapists to help with some, some people contact me through the podcast about getting therapy. And so I asked around through some therapy networks and everybody kept saying, Leslie Johnson, Leslie Johnson, Leslie Johnson. Oh, <laughs> nice to hear. Um, as like the, as an adoption therapist. So, um, so that was why I reached out to you. Um, and so I'm just wondering, I guess, let's see, we could start with um, you. You could tell me like what, how you came to therapy and how you came to focus on um, this particular area. Sure, sure. Um, so I, uh, I've i been like a licensed therapist since 2003 and started out just uh, with a general practice and 
very, very early on started um, just, I mean, I don't really, I don't think there are any coincidences, but I was getting a lot of uh, referrals um, or people contacting me who were members of the adoption and foster care community. Um, And I myself was adopted and I spent um, a lot of time in therapy myself in my early 20s. And but was never talking about uh, my therapist um, was not an adoption trained therapist or, or really um, I don't think thought adoption was a thing or you know separating a child from their biology their their first mom was was significant mm-hmm. um, and I spent a lot of time in therapy uh, talking about things that that now I've come to learn were really related to that early separation loss. Um, but, but we weren't, she, she wasn't helping me connect the dots. So I started thinking this might be a great, um, area for me to work with. Um, so not that my personal experience would, would be the same as everyone else's, but it may, I, I thought my personal experience might, uh, inform my professional work. So I spent, um, a lot of years, uh, getting trauma trained. So this idea that separating a child from their biology, is traumatic to both baby and or infant or child um, and often uh, birth mother as well. So I got trained in some brain-based therapies that, including EMDR, brain spotting, the trauma resiliency model, just in order to help uh, ameliorate trauma symptoms, but also that these therapies um, work well with implicit memory. So that, that trauma that happens before a person has uh, autobiographical um, memory or language to describe it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's in a nutshell kind of how I got here. And um, so now I, I do individual therapy. I do coaching. I have a virtual course for adult adoptees, um, other support groups. And um, yeah, it's, 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 wonderful work and, and the community, the community aspect. And I think you, you can probably agree um, that that's part of the healing too, is when people find other people that have had maybe not an identical experience, but a shared experience and how, um, just how profoundly healing that can be. So powerful to connect with somebody that understands. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I actually think, um, and is it, this isn't always the case across all um, facets of therapy, but um in just anecdotal experience, it feels to me like um, adoption specifically, people um, very much want a therapist that has has experienced adoption on one end or the other. It's um, really, it really has kind of come to that, and it's um, yeah. it's interesting and and understandable too. I mean, it, it is mm-hmm. understandable too. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, what is something? So now at this. At this time, you have, um, do you serve both adult adult adoptees and also families who want to adopt, or do you focus primarily on um, adult adoptees? Or So I work with adult, adult, adult adoptees, um, adoptive families, adoptive parents. Um, I do some work with, I also work with um, first parents. I do some work with prospective adoptive parents, but that's really um, more psychoeducation, right? So talking about, um, I think I think adoptive families are best served 
when adoptive parents have done their work around why they're choosing to adopt mm-hmm. and really, um, you know, really helping parents understand that uh, adopting a child, you know, isn't a replacement for a child they couldn't conceive nor a replacement for a child who may have died. Um, it's one way to form a family, but really um, talking about the the both ends of adoption. So for adoptive parents, their adopted child might be the answer you know, to their, to their dreams and completing a family, but that, but there's also, um, or, and not, not, but, and there's also the element of grief and loss for everyone involved in the, in the adoption community, adoptive parents, first parents, and, and of course the adopted person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like, um, in, in just from what you have seen, it feel, it feels to me, or I would have thought before now that, people adopting children, babies, and not telling them um, was an older, an older practice. Um, But I, but I'm still meeting people in the late adopt, late discovery adoption world who are pretty young or younger than me. Um, Do you feel like it's still happening, you know, out there? So um, I don't think it's happening as, as much. So, so, but I, I do think it is still happening a little bit and I am, I am, you know, so such an advocate for openness and adoption, certainly truth and transparency. Every person deserves to know their, their, it's a birthright to know your birth story and your history and your genetic history. Um, and I do, I do know that there are still families that choose not to, to share um, you know, really important information with their child. And I do also know there are still a few families that choose not to tell, um, not to tell their child that they were adopted. And which is really, really um, surprising, especially in today's society where there's so much um, information available. Yeah, right? so that's what I was kids, just thinking. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah. my gosh, you just are blatantly turning your back on right. so, so much information. So really educating adoptive parents that, that, you know, you. I want you to be your child's best advocate. I want all the information to come filtered through, not filtered, but come through you, so that you know your son isn't over at their friend's house on Facebook scrolling through Facebook and finds that they have you know siblings and contacts them, and you mm-hmm. know parents will kind of say, "Oh yeah, that's never going to happen." Well, I've seen it happen many, 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 many times, oh, and no. what that does is it creates a real breach of trust because kids kids think, wow, you haven't told me this. What else haven't you shared with me? And it's, it, it's a real, it's a real issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that, that rings true with, I mean, my experience, not an adoption story, but definitely um, feeling incredibly confused about the trust and the betrayal, the feeling right. of betrayal, betrayal and, um, and trying to even explain that to my parents who I think probably, I can't speak for them, but I think, and I bet you've, you've, experiences but when you said be your child's best advocate they believed they were being my my best advocate they thought they they were making a choice on my behalf um right so it's like a, it's a very confusing paradox kind of um i think for people you know who can't i don't know i don't want to get I, let's not digress into talking about my parents but um <laughs> no <laughs> but i know that it's common it's not an uncommon experience for yeah. in this world i think you're right i think that that's perhaps true that the parents think that they're, you know, that they're protecting their child 
or, you know, this can be for adoption. This can be, you know, parents who choose not to tell, um, parents who have had their, you know, have had um, a child out of their relationship and, and decide that the, the you know, if they've had, if, if mom has had an affair and decides that the person she's with is going to raise that child as their own and they decide not to tell the child, um, you know, instances where there's, you know, rape involved and that's not disclosed. I mean, all of this, it's, it's like, it, it, I don't believe par- it's a parent's job to shelter their kids from, from their child's truth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we're going to talk to kids in an age, you know, about, about these things in an age appropriate way and, in a de- you know, when they're developmentally um, able to understand the concepts. But I always say, if I, if you're telling me this, if I'm, if I'm talking with a parent, if you're telling me this and I know, my, my guess is you've told someone else and eventually your child's going to know. And, and I would want your child to know that information coming from you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where I think it's hard for people to conceptualize how, how long life is and how information travels. Right. Right. Um, um, yeah. I, um, you said something that I want to go back to and I have to think about what it was. Um, I don't know, but it will come back. It will, it will, I'm sure it will come back at the worst moment, but, um, what, and so when you, let's see, when you think about, um, adoption, oh, it was about the age. Okay. I remember now it was about age appropriate stuff. Um, that is, I just wanted to say, I guess I think in, I think that is one area where we could really use way more information and resources because that is a constant conversation, um, within the support groups is have you told your children? How did you tell them? When do you tell them? Um, and I was at a retreat actually a few weeks ago with other NPEs and some late discovery adoption. And, um, and, and there was a lot of just sort of like misunderstanding about what, what it meant to tell, tell people. And, and everyone is kind of, I mean, so much of this world is about like sort of flying by the, so many people are sort of flying by the seat of their pants trying to figure out how to handle it. But I wish there was more um, like a chart. <laughs> it was like, right. if you're trying, you know, about how to age appropriately explain all these things. Is that something that you go over with, with people? I do. I do. And I, I like to say, you know, it's not a, it's not, a, a, it's not whether to tell the child, but when, how much, um, and in, you know, the idea that by the time a child is 10 or 11, they should really have all the details of their birth story. Um, and that way they can enter adolescence. A lot of times people say, oh, well, maybe, you know, we'll let them know when they're 18 or we'll, you know, that, that's, that, that's, so that means your child has gone through identity formation without the information around their, you know, their birth story. So that can create a lot of confusion. And again, I'm just thinking of that. I, you know, when I have worked with, um, late discovery adoptees who find out, you know, later so so LDAs late discovery adoptees mm-hmm. they find out later in life that that they were adopted and just the immense amount of of feeling of feelings of betrayal and mistrust of self right so a lot of them will say i kind of i kind of knew something you know for i knew something was different i i never felt um i belonged or i never i just felt something was off 
Um, so they have a mistrust of themselves. They obviously have a mistrust of their parents. Um, a lot of so th- a lot of adoptees su- um, suffer because of that initial separation, that the the early separation and loss. They have you know hypervigilance, anxiety, depression. So if if a child doesn't know that that part of the reason that they're maybe having some of these symptoms is because of this early loss. They, they just grew up wondering, why am I so anxious? Why am I, you know, why am I always waiting for the other shoe to drop? Why do I have uh, so much anxiety around change and transition? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it's kind of like, it's kind I mean, I don't, I didn't never, I hadn't thought of it this way, but there's lying by omission is one thing. And then there's kind of, it's, it's almost like gaslighting by omission. Yeah. Because, yeah. The, because the, the confusion about, about who, what, how, trusting yourself. About, right. about your understanding of yourself, right? Parents' relationship, notwithstanding. Yeah, and these, and then you know, sometimes people will discover that they were adopted. You know, when their their adoptive parents have died, and they're looking through their. This is really common. You know, they're looking through their parents' paperwork, and then they find you know they find these documents. So then they have no you know if their adoptive parents are dead, there's a very there's a strong likelihood that their birth parents may also have deceased and there's no one to help them, you know, there's no one to tell them their story or fill in the gaps of their story. So they're right. really left with this huge um, trauma. Mm-hmm. So many questions without answers. Right. So hard. Yeah. Yeah. We meet so many people like that um, in the NPE world for yeah. sure. Yeah, their identity is kind of shattered, right? They, mm-hmm. they, they're, you know, and if we're, if we think um, in terms of, again, that, that they're, you know, our bodies remember everything. So on, they have a felt sense that something was different. And again, that, that idea of trusting self, right? I, I knew something was off. I felt different. Um, but everyone's telling me something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So hard and frustrating. In my experience, in my experience. Um, And what do you think, do you think there, I mean, that feels like a silly question to ask you to narrow it down, but do you feel like there is something that you wish that people could know more about adoption or what is, is there a thing that you wish people, the general public or was more known or more talked about in the, about adoption? Um, Well, I think that I, you know, I'm I'm really a proponent of elevating the voice of the adoptee, and listening and learning from those who have had the experience of of being adopted. And there's so much that can be learned. And I think for so long, the adopted person was told um, that they should be grateful, that they were lucky. Um, you know, that the narrative was was that adoption was solely a, a great, wonderful thing. And I think that we know, again, the, the the both ands that, you know, I can say as an adopted person that I actually am, I do feel grateful that I was adopted. I, I you know, I grew up in a loving home and I've had the opportunity to meet my biological family. Um, so I can say that I feel grateful around it. And I can also say that I, you know, I had a lot of anxiety, have a lot of anxiety, um, have had to work really hard to um, to heal uh, uh, 
wounds related to to that early separation trauma. So I I would just like uh, people, specifically adoptive parents, um, to just know that that this is a it's a, you know that there's a saying adoption is a lifelong process and it really is and and that you know again for for adoptive parents to do their own work um, and continue to to educate and do educate themselves and do their own work around um, adoption related themes. Yeah. That was a long yeah. answer. No, that's, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, and for pe- for people who, I guess for all, I mean, I, I, we could go over all, all the different aspects of this, but um, what are the, what are, are there some go-to resources that you send people um, to right away um, as far as, I don't, I mean, it's like, this is, this is, it's like so complex. Like, yeah. for, I mean, I'm sure it's different resources for adoptees versus ad- adoptive parents. There um, are different ones. Um, I just, I think, again, there are so, I mean, I can, there's so many different um, adoptee related resources and, and books, um, podcasts. There's, there's, there's so many. And I, I mean, I can, I'm happy to name specifically if, if you want me to, but there's a book that is an, it's an older book written by Nancy Verrier called The Primal Wound, and it's still so applicable. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that it's a great one for um, adoptive parents. You know, most adoptees, if they're if they have come, the term is come out of the fog. So if the, it, to come out of the fog is to recognize um, the grief and loss that is inherent in separating a child from their biology. Um, so if if adoptees have come out of the fog, most of them have read. Uh, Nancy Verrier's *The Primal Wound*. I also think um, reading books uh, about just trauma in general and the body, right? So, right. Bessel Van keeps the score. Uh, yeah, Bessel van der Kolk's *The Body Keeps the Score* is um, really an important uh, important resource. Um, there's a podcast *Adoptees On*. Haley Radke does an amazing job of of talking to other adoptees, and I think you know it's finding your tribe and finding your the you know, like I mentioned earlier, finding community. Um, yeah. Like I mentioned, I I have a virtual course that I'm that I'm doing with adults who are adopted, and it's you know just watching the interaction um, that they have with each other online. And for many, this is the first time that they've been in a group with other people who were adopted. So there's late discovery adoptees. There's you know people who have known they were adopted, um, you know, since they could remember. And you know, and various uh, stories in between, and and it's just again, their their experience doesn't have to be identical, but they share the same thread, and it's really so um, healing to you know, so healing for them. Yeah, absolutely. I can only imagine. That sounds really fascinating. Um, and do you have a website that people could? Oh, could, sure. Yeah, could find, could find that kind of thing. I'll put it up on the Instagram and the website and everything. But what? Ask, um, askadoption.com. Ask adoption, and that will get them to you and all your the resources that you yeah. offer, like the virtual groups and things like that. Yes, it will. Wonderful. And um, trying to think of some other. I feel like we probably like I probably. Um, let's see, what have I not asked you? If you can think of any. Um, well, I think 
you know, so we were ta- we're talking primarily right now about adoption, but I think that the crossover in, um, you know, is so similar is so similar when someone finds out, you know, that the father that they were raised by isn't their biological father, and just those again those issues of trust and identity, and you know, you know, like broken bonds, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shame. There's, and, and a lot of times there's, there's, you know, shame, and, and again, it's, it's encouraging people. I, I guess, you know, maybe that, that part of it is there's a societal um, pressure to keep some of these things secret, and, and like you right. said, that your parents thought that they were protecting you, and really, kind of recognizing that that it's not a parent's job to protect you know, I kind of feel like I'm repeating myself, but it's not really a parent's job to protect their child from their child, you know, from their child's experience. Right. And so much, right. I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of, you know, our, of, of healing. You know, we have the capacity, our brains have the capacity to change throughout our lifespan. And so that it's never too late to, you know, rewire our brains towards more, a more resilient state. It's never too late to heal. Um, and so no matter when a person finds out, um, you know, about their birth story, of course, there's there's the capacity to heal. And I also just think, you know, that that could be made so much easier if a child knows their story, you know, from early on and parents are part of that healing process. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. There's an opportunity to make it a collaborative experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people that come to the to this podcast um, are often new, newer to the to their experience to their discovery, whether it's in you know NPE or late discovery adoption. Uh-huh. There's, there's a, as you've mentioned, there's crossover there. But um, yeah. so when they come, so if somebody comes to you for therapy and they've just discovered that that they are in a late discovery adoption, um, what is that first session like generally? I think, um, well, most mostly that if, if they're coming to me after they've discovered that they were adopted um, later in life, they're they've if they're coming to me, they're they're recognizing that it matters, right? They're recognizing that it's that it's something, and uh, most of them have have um, come with you know symptoms of anxiety, depression, shock. Mm-hmm. Um, grief, you know, grieving the grieving the identity that they thought that they had, um, betrayal. Um, so, so the you know maybe the first session or first few sessions is just um, allowing them to tell their story and uh, normalizing some of their 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 reactions um, and responses to what has happened, uh, and then you know m- perhaps helping them find community. Um, a lot of clients come to, to see me because they want to do um, the EMDR, ther- you know, EMDR therapy or brain spotting therapy around some of of the trauma. Um, but I think that's kind of what some of the, the first mm-hmm. handful of first sessions would look like. Yeah, I think I think I mean across the board, um, therapy is often about this, but um, I think it's so important to normalize everybody's reactions. I think that's 
that's really yeah. something that people have to that's part of finding a community community whether that's a group of people or just a therapist right. um yeah is finding someone to say all your feelings and reactions are totally normal right um and and this is why this is why there's anger this is there's a word for that it's called betrayal and right um, offering offering a vocabulary um is so important and um yeah and helping them connect the dots of their story mm-hmm. even though there's mm-hmm. even though the the story has been, you know, kind of jumbled, you know, helping them, get, you know, integrate this new information into their story. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I imagine that there's something to be said about just providing, I don't imagine I am a therapist. I, I know there's something to this, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but that there is, there's something to be said about offering a safe space to just, um, be with the confusion and be with the experience and um, say, say out loud things that like, like for me, even like it's two, I'm two years in and I still have moments. I even just had one while we were talking about, about something that doesn't make sense. Right. And I can't, you know, in my day-to-day life, I have all these things that need to get done. And I, um, and I, so it, it's so nice to have one safe place where I can be like, hey, like, listen to this thing. And then they said this. And that doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> just, it's right. just, you just need a plate. You just need, there's something about somebody saying, yeah, like, yeah, that that's ridiculous. And and giving yourself the time. Right, um, right. Nobody nobody needs anything from me in when I'm with a therapist, when I'm with my therapist. Right, right. Yes. It's the only time for me to to focus on this strange thing. I don't know what it, you know, thing. And, um, so collaborate, right. To listen to, so nobody needs anything from you. You get to have that space and, and hopefully collaborate with your therapist on, on, you know, ways to, um, heal ways to, you know, work with difficult feelings and strong emotions. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wonderful. Is there anything else that you want to tell me about your practice or your work with adoptees that I did not ask? Because sometimes people expect a question that I didn't think of. No, I think, I mean, I, I think you asked great questions and I, I, I appreciate the, I mean, it's so interesting how there is so much crossover and, um, you know, right after, right after you contacted me, um, someone right after you contacted me, someone contacted me with, with a story that wasn't adoption related, but, um, was, was, you know, a non-paternity event. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of amazing, just the themes. Um, and not the, this isn't the first person, but it was just kind of uh, interesting that, that it happened right after you had contacted me and just the themes are so, so, so similar. So similar. And, and actually I think, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I, I actually ought to, and I, and I can do it right now, ask the late adoption community to tell me if they think that they, they need more, atten- not more attention, but I just didn't, um, it's very interesting because I will talk with people all, you know, all the time about my podcast and they, people will say, cause I, I always, you know, obviously you have to explain what an NPE is. And I'll say it's when, it's when a person discovers that one or more of their parents is not their parents. And almost always, I, if someone is thinking about it, they go, well, the mom is always the mom. And it's not until I suggest adoption 
that they're like, oh, like it's sort of a forgotten variable within the NPE larger picture. I I think it seems to be, yeah. and, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe that's just my own experience. But I I feel like um, a little bit naive and um, and like I want to make up for a little bit of lost time and and acknowledge acknowledge that um, that kind of NPE that that there's just so many different types and right. Um, right. This, is, this comes with its own its own world its own its own set of feelings and process I think there's probably little differences between all the different types and right um, well yeah and then we're not even talking about you know donor conceived right um, you know families and, mm -mm. and that's that's also um, there's you know there's grief and loss inherent in that if that's if that information is is revealed to to children yeah absolutely no there's so many um, I keep saying I just or I just said it in a previous episode but I keep and I was just talking about it with someone else that like we if you and I you know if we could sit down and write down every different type of NPE we could think of right someone will someone will offer a new one <laughs> like right, there right. are so many ways you know which is it's it's in some I guess you know if if in some ways it's, you could say it's a beautiful thing, but there are so many ways for children to come into the world and for children to be raised by who they're raised by. Right. Um, right. Hopefully that's a beautiful thing, but, but that would be a really naive generalization. It's not always. Um, right. And I think it can be, again, just, you know, a, a huge proponent of truth and transparency, you know, that, that's, that can certainly add to, I guess, if it's going to be a beautiful thing, um, why not? tell the truth about it. Right. Be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So, well, hopefully the work you're doing um, and the work lots of other people working in the adoption field are doing and, and I'm doing and we're all trying to get this information out there. So right. hopefully right. there will be a shift in the um, larger global conversation about how this how this works. Because Yeah, be, I think it um, is. I think there is a shift you know, a shift, it's a small shift happening. And I, and like you, I hope the shift uh, becomes more significant. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Mm. I will put all that information up um, on the, on my um, Instagram. So, uh, so if everybody, if you didn't catch it, I'll go put it, um, I'll, I'll put it up. I'll make sure everybody can get to it. And um, I just wanted to say that actually it was um, at this retreat when I was meeting late, late, Discovery adoption adoptees that so many were talking about body keeps the score as a yeah. book that's been really great and also um, complex PTSD by Pete Walker those two books were coming up yeah um, mm. over and over again as as books that people have really used as compasses yep really really important to make that connection that that our bodies remember everything yeah yep yeah yep I, yeah it's too bad we don't get that education sooner <laughs> sooner <laughs> sooner and everywhere True. um all right well leslie thank you so much for your time i'll let you get on with your morning um this was so great and i'm so excited to put this up and i i like will be in touch with you about okay. when it will be it will not be very long okay um, Steve. yeah absolutely and yeah, that's it. I mean, like that was so easy, so straightforward. <laughs> you know, you know what you're doing. You're very prepared. <laughs> well, you know what you're doing too. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Wow. Thank you again to Leslie Johnson for her 
knowledge, wisdom, kindness, uh, and spending a little time a couple couple weeks ago with me um, on a morning. I'm just really appreciative. I'll try and make sure that all her information is on my Instagram. So here we are. Wow, what a year, huh? <laughs> I don't even know if I have it in me to recap all that we've been through as NPEs, as a podcast, as a country, as Americans, as a world surviving a pandemic, um, gets overwhelming pretty quickly. So I'll stay focused on, um, on what I am involved in the most this episode. Um, I think will be the last episode of 2020, everyone. Um, probably no surprise to you. Uh, this is December. We've only got a few weeks left. But Everything's Relative is not finished. Um, I promise that I will be back soon with more episodes. I might even call it season three. Uh, and I just want you all to know that just because I won't be releasing episodes, it does not mean that I'm not working on the podcast. I have lots of interviews still lined up and I hope to get more content to you in 2021. I have um, more episode ideas and I also have activities so that we can all start getting together. Uh, I have ideas about viewing parties and Q&A sessions over Zoom and anything else that we could plan if um, if a vaccine happens so we can actually get into the same room together again one day. Um, I have I have lots of ideas that I'm excited about. So, um, and actually one thing I'm about to do right now is to ship out a huge load of tote bags, um, as gifts to all my patrons who have supported the podcast and some other people that, um, I've interacted with through the podcast over the past year. If you are thinking about doing, um, Patreon, uh, supporting everything's relative for as little as $1 a month, uh, now's the time because gifts are going out and next year is going to be really fun and there'll be lots of, um, exclusive treats just for Patreons. But Patreon notwithstanding, I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, this project has been a true labor of love and it's been an honor really to navigate my own story while collecting stories from you and connecting with each of you about this strange life and the amazing twists and turns it takes when we least expect it. Please stay in touch with me through this break. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Everything's Relative Podcast. Review me on whatever podcasting platform you're listening uh, to this and tell everyone you know. Until next year, friends, I'm Eve Sturgis, and this is the podcast Everything's Relative. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Kaylin Egan and Eve Sturgis. Eve is a licensed therapist in the state of California, but conversations on this podcast are not therapy sessions. This podcast is edited by Stephanie Delonzik, the logo design is by Ivy McNally, and the music is used with permission by Goodbye the Band. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts 
about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with grills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Bigfoot Collectors Collectors Club, Club. you're here to believe believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.